Welcome to Newport Beach in the Rearview Mirror, a podcast about the events and people, famous and forgotten, that shaped Newport Beach. I'm Bill Lobdell. Before we get started, I wanted to give a big shout out to Eddie Yu, who tipped me off to this amazing story via Instagram. Thanks, Eddie. Appreciate it. Now, back to our regularly scheduled program. sunny spring day in 1971, a ragtag group of adventurers from as far away as San Francisco dragged their homemade gliders 600 feet up a Newport Beach hill, turned their rickety flying machines around to face the gentle ocean breeze, and tried to fly. The birdmen, as they called themselves, didn't soar like latter-day Icaruses flying so high that they got too close to the sun. In fact, they didn't get very far off the ground that day at all. Maybe 30 feet for the best of them. But they still made history. It marked the first time the nascent hang gliding community came together to fly. The day was part Kitty Hawk, part Woodstock, and it marked the beginning of the modern sport of hang gliding. Later in this podcast, we'll have an interview with 87-year-old Frank Culver, who's been a hang gliding pilot for more than five decades. A self-taught engineer, he also designed hang gliders. And he was an eyewitness to that historic and serendipitous event in Newport Beach. But before we get to that interview, here are nine things to know about the Lilienthal meet. First thing to know, the get-together was officially, and not too modestly, called the Great Universal Hang Gliding Championships. Despite the fact that it wasn't a competition and the participants were mostly Southern Californians, but it was more commonly known as the Lilienthal Meet because it was held on the 123rd birthday of Otto Lilienthal, a 19th century German aviation pioneer credited with being the first person to successfully fly a glider and being the inventor of the modern aircraft wing. Here's a not-so-fun fact about Otto. In 1896, at the age of 48, his glider stalled and plunged to the ground, breaking his neck. Otto died the next day. Second thing to know, in an era without social media and cell phones, it was a bit of a miracle that the Lilienthal meet happened at all. The primary organizer was Joe Faust, who 11 years earlier had competed in the 1960 Rome Olympics as a high jumper. After he hung up his track shoes, Faust became an evangelist for the sport of hang gliding. He published Low and Slow, the first magazine devoted to hang gliding, 
And the meat in Newport Beach was promoted through that publication, Faust's appearances at air shows, and good old-fashioned landline phone calls. The hang gliding community at the time was so small that less than a half dozen hang gliders were expected to show up. Instead, more than 15 did, along with a fun-loving crowd of 300, surprising both organizers and the participants themselves, who, until then, felt quite alone in their pursuit of engineless flight. Now, amazingly, and at last, they were surrounded by kindred souls. Third thing to know, the event happened in Newport Beach in part because it wasn't a very litigious time. Let me explain. The vacant Newport Beach hillside, now called Spyglass Hill, bordered by San Joaquin Hills Road, was owned at the time by Pacific View Mortuary and Memorial Park. Event organizers said they picked the spot because it was devoid of fences didn't have any posted, no trespassing signs, and was blessed with steady ocean breezes. At some point, the cemetery owner became aware of this uh, nutty and dangerous event happening on his property. But instead of kicking them off, and apparently not worried in the least about liability, he let the flying continue. This started a joke among the hang gliders that the reason they were allowed to stay on the property was that the cemetery owner thought he might get additional business. I mean, can you imagine you're a property owner, you look out on your land, and there's 300 people all over your hillside. There's all these hang gliders flying around, and, and you just say, that's cool, carry on, have fun, uh, enjoy yourself. It's just, it's just so crazy to think about Fourth thing to know, most of the flying machines were insanely primitive. All were handmade, some designed by the pilots themselves. Others were constructed by following design plans that cost $3. The hang gliding builders were engineers, college students studying aerodynamics, tinkerers, and in one case, a group of sixth graders supervised by their summer school teacher. Materials used to build the hang gliders included bamboo, pieces of wood, and no, no kidding, repurposed plastic painter's tarps. The popular hang loose model, built in backyards from those $3 design plans, resembled something the Wright brothers would fly with two flimsy wings on each side of the pilot whose legs dangled uselessly below. But there were at least two odd-looking hang gliders that attracted a lot of curious attention. They looked like kites, flew much better than the rest of the impossible-to-control aircraft, and, of course, foreshadowed the design of the modern hang glider. 
gliders were low flying objects if they ever got off the ground at all the gliders didn't soar because one the design of them hadn't changed much since Otto Lilienthal's time and two the pilots were trying to take off on a hill and not a cliff attempting to get airborne the pilots would run down the hill or were towed by someone who was running down the hill or pushed by someone who is running down the hill, hoping to get enough speed to lift the glider. But the hill simply wasn't steep enough to put much space between the pilot's feet and Mother Earth. Some didn't make it off the ground. Others hopped in the air for a few seconds like a chicken trying to fly. The best of them climbed to maybe 30 feet in the air and covered 600 feet. The longest flight lasted 17 seconds. If that doesn't sound like much, the Wright brothers' first flight lasted just 12 seconds and traveled only 180 feet. Sixth thing to know. It was a good thing these gliders didn't get that far off the ground. Even at low altitudes, there were some spectacular crashes. Gliders in flight snapped in half. Some nosedived into the ground, others cartwheeled down the hill, and the lower wing of one poor pilot's glider got caught in an updraft, pushing the aircraft up until it stalled and then plunged to earth from Maybe about 15 feet. It looked like a hard landing that, that hurt quite a bit. All in all, it was a miracle that no one got hurt, much less killed. Speaking words of wisdom, let it be. 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 Whisper Seventh thing to know. The unique event flummoxed the Newport Beach Police Department. The sight of the hang gliders, and remember, few people knew of the sport back in 1971, backed up traffic on nearby MacArthur Boulevard. The drivers just had to get a look of what was going on. And then hundreds of cars packed the dirt road, which is now San Miguel Road, below the hill their occupants just wanting to witness this, this spectacle. Of course, the police department received all kinds of calls about a bunch of people in some sort of flying machines taking flight or trying to take flight off of what was, before the development of Newport Coast, the highest hill in Newport Beach. Police cars soon pulled up on the dirt road, a helicopter circled overhead, but... <laughs> But the police officers couldn't figure out what laws were being broken. The hang gliders weren't trespassing. The cemetery owner had given them permission to be there. There weren't any laws prohibiting hang gliding in Newport Beach. And no one at the event would give the police straight answers about what was going on. And 
who was in charge. So the police just gave up. I'm not sure I would see that happening today, but it was a more innocent time. But after the event, a none-too-pleased FAA launched an investigation alleging that the hang gliders violated several federal laws, such as low and slow flying in the vicinity of spectators, flying unlicensed aircraft, not reporting crashes, and flying after the crashes in the same aircraft. Under questioning, one organizer stretching the truth almost to the breaking point assured the FAA that the gliders were tethered to the ground at all times, making them no more than large kites. Case closed. I read the news today, oh boy. The eighth and probably most important thing to know, the day would have been lost to history if it weren't for the presence of journalists from the Los Angeles Times and National Geographic magazine. The Times ran a front-page story above the fold the next day headlined, Time Turns Back as Birdmen Take to Southland Sky. The accompanying photo showed an airborne glider with the helmeted pilot's legs looking like he was riding an invisible horse. And in the background were the beginnings of Newport Center in Fashion Island. Joe Faust, who had a hippy-dippy way of talking, and was a quote machine, told the newspaper, quote, we're returning to that joyful act of being pulled up toward the heavens, either by love or by wing, unquote. That article was picked up by the National Wires and soon appeared in newspapers across the country and in Europe. National Geographic which had an international circulation of more than 12 million at the time, ran an eight-page spread about the Lilienthal meet. Spectacular photos dominated the feature story, but the magazine reporter's words were almost as beautiful. After flying in a glider that day, he wrote in the present tense, I become a pendulum swinging under the wing. The ground shoots upward and then steadies. I am neither comfortable nor uncomfortable. I am just there, like the people standing below me. I feel no fright. For roller coaster thrills, go to an amusement park. This is something else. The media coverage captured the imagination of dreamers around the world who wanted to fly to and soon gave birth to the modern international sport of hang gliding. To everything, turn, turn, turn. There is a season, turn, turn, turn. Ninth and last thing to know Newport Beach's day in the hang gliding sun didn't last long. Between residential development, and advances in hang gliding technology, which allowed hang gliders to soar from very high places with very precipitous drops, Newport Beach's role in hang gliding was quickly extinguished. But you can still find reminders of that historic day in two spots in Newport. 
One is a historical marker near the basketball court in San Miguel Park at the base of Spyglass Hill. The other is a memorial bench at the Pacific View Mortuary and Memorial Park near the site of the meet. The inscription on the cemetery bench reads, On this hill, May 23, 1971, with a gathering of enthusiasts for personal human flight, began the worldwide sport of hang gliding. May the lift be good, and may the joyful spirit of that magical day soar forever. Finally, before we get to our interview, the usual question must be asked. Can this piece of Newport Beach history be made into a Netflix documentary? The answer is absolutely yes. One of the organizers of the first Lilienthal meet, Bill Liscombe, has already put together a well-done documentary in 2008 called Blue Sky, The History of Modern Hang Gliding, The First Extreme Sport. The Lilienthal meet is featured in it with some great footage of the event, along with interviews from the participants. That movie has gotten nearly 200,000 views on YouTube. But there's room for a bigger budget documentary focusing solely on that historic day in Newport. The story's fascinating, the footage spectacular, and many of those involved are still around for interviews. Let's go Netflix! Okay, it's time for our interview with Frank Culver, a pioneering hang gliding pilot who was an eyewitness to that fateful day in Newport Beach. Frank, welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to have you. Well, glad to be here. This is a subject that's dear to my heart. When I look at film footage from that day, the hang gliders seem, they seemed, uh, they don't seem very sophisticated, let's say. <laughs> um, and, and they seem like extraordinarily dangerous. What, how would you describe the hang gliders at that time? Well, yeah, they, they were quite primitive and, um, uh, you know, uh, to me, that day out on the hill was like, to me, I felt like I had just been transported back to the days of the Wright brothers. Okay, let's talk about that day. When did the hang gliders first arrive? Actually, some some of the young guys, the college student guys, showed up in the, in the, the evening before and actually camped out on the... <laughs> I, on the cemetery property, which is pretty pretty hard to imagine, you know, that, that they yeah. could camp out there and nobody came and told them to leave or anything. When you arrived at that site on May 23rd, 1971, what did you see as you stood at the bottom of what's now Spyglass Hill? I saw these, these, all, these <laughs> flying contraptions spread about on the hillside, and it was really exciting because this was the first contact we'd had with anybody else that, that had built a hang glider. The number of people that came out of the woodwork with hang gliders was, was really surprising. We had no idea that there were that many people around the area doing this. It, it, was, it, was, it was just an amazing thing. And I remembered while I was standing there on the hillside that day, thinking this is an I'm having an experience I can never have again in my lifetime because you can't repeat something like that 
uh, it was, you know, I went on to fly hang gliders and, and I was present at many hills and mountains that people were flying hang gliders off of, but, but there couldn't be that pioneering feeling of, of it was like I said, it was like we were there when the Wright brothers that was the feeling you had and and you know we were we were i think we were all seeing that there was something amazing was was happening here and how how long did the day last when did people arrive and when did it shut down well pretty much uh from late morning all through the day until the sun was going low um it, uh yeah, it, it was it was quite a long thing. Uh, like I said, some people had actually camped out there the night before and put their gliders together uh, during the evening or early morning. To give the listeners a sense of how the gliders took off or or tried to or tried to take off, people would run or be pushed or be towed, and because of the slant of the hill, at best they'd just get off the ground a little bit and go couple hundred yards, couple hundred feet. How would you describe that? Yes, that that was it. And and uh, and of course, since Jack Lambie had 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 designed and had his high school class build this hang loose biplane, there were several of those out there. And uh, the, uh, the problem with those was the, the pilot couldn't get far enough forward, and the glider would stall as soon as it got off the ground. So those would just kind of go up into a stall and come back down. The significant flight of the day, this uh, the guy Richard Miller, who had who had done the experimenting at uh, Playa del Rey, Dockweiler Beach, in the late '60s, the Gallo, had built a, a more sophisticated flying wing, and he took off one of his flights. His flights were the longest of the day, and on one of his flights, he actually flew over one of the other gliders with the the people that were messing around with that glider, he went over their heads and landed on the other side. And I think that was kind of an eye-opener. People looked at that and said, hmm, you know, hey, maybe maybe these things can be improved and, and we can do some real flying. Frank, how dangerous were those gliders? We used to have the saying was, uh, don't fly higher than you care to fall. Uh, that was the beginning. Uh, that, that was what was often said in the beginning of hang gliding. You know, very few gliders got off the got off the ground that day because the hill was pretty shallow. And most of them had a glide angle that was steeper than the hill angle. Uh, but with some, especially the the, the young guys, uh, the college students and stuff, they had lots of friends and, and everybody would give a push and and uh, the the guy would get off the ground for 20 feet or so and, and back on the ground. So they weren't they weren't soaring through the skies of uh, Newport? No, no. In fact, uh, to think of one of these things ever, ever climbing in a thermal and achieving altitude and going a distance was was just a, a, a pipe dream. And reading the various accounts of the day, it seemed like it was a cross between the Wright brothers at Kitty Hawk and maybe Woodstock. Is that would that be an accurate description, or how would you describe the vibe? Oh, that would be a very accurate description. I don't think I've ever thought of that connection before. 
Uh, I've got to tell you what happened when the Newport Beach police showed up. Yeah. Like I, like I said, that people could see these, this activity from MacArthur, so traffic just basically stopped on MacArthur. And MacArthur became one massive traffic jam. So, of course, that got the interest of the Newport police. So they came out and they asked who was in charge. And everybody, we all said, nobody's in charge. I, I came out here with a hang glider and all these other guys showed up. With their, you know, uh, we just happened to. I'll be here with our hang gliders. This is a nice hill and a nice day, and and uh, and uh, we don't know of anybody in charge. So they went to the uh, owner of the cemetery, and they asked him to kick us off his property. And he said, well, he didn't have any problem with what we were doing. And, of course, that became a common joke after that, that he saw future business in our activities. So. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so – the police couldn't find anybody in charge. The property owner didn't want to kick us off the property, so they just they just left. Uh, there was nothing more that they could do. And you also got a front page story in the LA Times the next day. What were you stunned by it, amazed by it? What what was that feeling when you picked up the paper and saw? The oh, it, it was yeah, it was tremendous. I've been a Times sub- subscriber for forever and and uh that that was that was just really something because you know we, we felt like a pretty fringe group okay frank last question you live in newport when you look up at uh, what's now spyglass hill which has to be often because it's one of the um, highest points in newport beach what are the thoughts and feelings that go through your mind Oh, I I just have wonderful thoughts of back to that day. Uh, always have, and I've driven around up on Spygoss Hill and looked out. I've I've gone into the cemetery and and taken uh, photographs. Unfortunately, the the actual hillside we were flying from it was the area they developed into houses on the north portion of the of the cemetery. The cemetery got some capital from selling some property off to development. Uh, but it just it's just a wonderful feeling that 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 day was just absolutely amazing awesome well frank i appreciate your time really great information and fun to go back in back in time and visit a very special day in newport beach history and the history of hang gliding thanks for coming on okay you're welcome glad to do it thanks for climbing into this podcast time machine with me and going back to may 23rd 1971 when on a Newport Beach hilltop the modern sport of hang gliding was born. We'll see you next time.